Good afternoon. I'm Caleb Giddings, and you're listening to Firearms Industry News. On today's episode of Firearms Industry News, we're going to be talking about stopping power. Now, unfortunately, I don't have a guest to bring on this week. I was traveling for work last week, and that made it a little bit difficult to do a one and a half hour podcast interview. But that's okay, because instead of having a guest, I'm going to have the collective knowledge of the FBI talking about stopping power in handguns. That's right. On today's episode, I'm going to read out loud the entire FBI white paper that came out in 2014 that was the driving force behind them switching back to 9mm away from 40 Smith & Wesson. I will also upload a link to this white paper in the show notes so that if you have questions, if there's something you want to reference, you can go back and reference it. And the reason we want to do that is somehow, still to this day, there's so many myths and misconceptions about handgun stopping power and handgun terminal ballistics that the best way to put those to rest is to read the research that was done by one of the very few law enforcement agencies that actually has the ability to perform research on this scale. If you like the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gunnutsmedia. And make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, uh, and all of the other various podcast services out there. If you're watching on Facebook, please share. And if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe and hit that old little thumbs up button. All right. And now here we go with the FBI 9mm white paper. We start. Executive Summary of Justification for Law Enforcement Partners. I messed up that first line. It says partners. So let's try that again, guys. Executive Summary of Justification for Law Enforcement Partners. This is all bulleted out, so I'll let you know when we're not on bullets anymore. Caliber debates have existed in law enforcement for decades. Most of what is, quote, common knowledge with ammunition and its effects on the human target are rooted in myth and folklore. Projectiles are what ultimately wound our adversaries, and the projectile needs to be the basis for the discussion of what caliber is best. In all the major law enforcement calibers, there exist projectiles which have a high likelihood of failing law enforcement officers in a shooting incident, and there are projectiles which have a high incident likelihood of succeeding for Leos in a shooting incident. Handgun stopping power is simply a myth. The single most important factor in effectively wounding a human target is to have penetration to a scientifically valid depth. Leos miss 70-80% to of shots fired during shooting incidents. Contemporary projectiles since 2007 have dramatically increased the terminal effectiveness of many premium line law enforcement projectiles, emphasis on 9mm Luger. 9mm Luger now offers select projectiles which are, under identical testing conditions, outperforming most of the premium line of 40 Smith & Wesson and 45 ACP projectiles tested by the FBI. 9mm Luger offers higher magazine capacities, less recoil, lower cost, both in ammunition and wear on the weapons, and higher functional reliability rates in FBI weapons. The majority of FBI shooters are both faster in shot shot strings fired and more accurate when shooting a 9mm Luger versus shooting a 40 Smith & Wesson in similar sized weapons. There is little to no noticeable difference in the wound tracks between premium line law enforcement projectiles from 9mm Luger through the 45 Auto. 
Given contemporary bullet construction, Leos can field, with proper bullet selection, 9mm Lugers with all the terminal performance potential of any other law enforcement pistol caliber with none of the disadvantages present with the larger calibers. All right, so that's the end of the bullets. That was the executive summary section. So now we're going to move on to justification for law enforcement partners. And this is all paragraph format now. Rarely in law enforcement does a topic stir more passionate debate than the choice of handgun caliber made by a law enforcement organization. Many voice their opinions by repeating the old adage, bigger is better, while others have heard of this one time where a smaller caliber failed and a larger caliber would have performed much better. Some even subscribe to the belief that a caliber exists which will provide a one-shot stop. It has been stated, decisions on ammunition selection are particularly difficult because many of the pertinent issues related to handguns and ammunition are firmly rooted in myth and folklore. This still holds true today as it did when originally stated 20 years ago. Caliber, when considered alone, brings about a unique set of factors to consider such as magazine capacity for a given weapon size, ammunition availability, felt recoil, weight, and cost. What is rarely discussed, but more relevant to the caliber debate, is what projectile is being considered for use in its terminal performance potential. One should never debate on a gun make or caliber alone. The projectile is what wounds, and ultimately this is where the debate discussion should focus. In each of the three most common law enforcement handgun calibers, 9mm Luger, 40 Smith & Wesson, and 45 Auto, there are projectiles which have a high likelihood of failing law enforcement officers, and in each of these three calibers, there are projectiles which have a high likelihood of succeeding for law enforcement officers during a shooting incident. The choice of a service projectile must undergo intense scrutiny and scientific evaluation in order to select the best available option. Next section is titled... Understanding Handgun to Caliber Terminal Ballistic Realities, and we continue. Many so-called studies have been performed, and many analyses of statistical data have been undertaken regarding this issue. Studies simply involving shooting deaths are irrelevant since the goal of law enforcement is to stop a threat during a deadly force encounter as quickly as possible. Whether or not death occurs is of no consequence as long as the threat of death or serious injury to law enforcement personnel and innocent third parties is eliminated. Quote, the concept of immediate incapacitation is the only goal of any law enforcement shooting and is the underlying rationale for decisions regarding weapons, ammunitions, calibers, and training, end quote. Studies of stopping power are irrelevant because no one has been able to define how much power, force, or kinetic energy in and of itself is required to effectively stop a violent and determined adversary quickly, and even the largest of handgun calibers are not capable of delivering such force. For emphasis, handgun stopping power is simply a myth. Studies of so-called one-shot stops being used as a tool to define the effectiveness of one handgun cartridge as opposed to another are irrelevant due to the inability to account for physiological influences and psychological influences and due to the lack of reporting specific shot placement. In short, extensive studies have been done over the years to prove a certain cartridge is better than another by using grossly flawed methodology and or bias as a precursor to manipulating statistics. In order to have a meaningful understanding of handgun terminal ballistics, one must only deal with the facts that are not in dispute within the medical community, i.e. medical realities, and those which are also generally accepted within law enforcement, i.e. tactical realities. Next section is titled, Medical Realities. And we continue. 
Shots to the central nervous system, CNS, at the level of the cervical spine, neck, or above are the only means to reliably cause immediate incapacitation. That sentence is so good, I'm going to read it again. Shots to the central nervous system at the level of the cervical spine, neck, or above are the only means to reliably cause immediate incapacitation. In this case, any of the calibers commonly used in law enforcement, regardless of expansion, would suffice for obvious reason. Other than shots to the CNS, the most reliable means for affecting rapid incapacitation is by placing shots to large vital organs, thus causing rapid blood loss. Simply stated, shot placement is the most critical component to achieving either method of incapacitation. Wounding factors between rifle and handgun projectiles differ greatly due to the dramatic differences in velocity, which will be discussed in more detail herein. The wounding factors, in order of importance, are as follows. A. Penetration. A projectile must penetrate deeply enough into the body to reach the large vital organs, namely heart, lungs, aorta, vena cava, and to a lesser extent liver and spleen, in order to cause rapid blood loss. It has long been established by expert medical professionals experienced in evaluating gunshot wounds that this equates to a range of penetration of 12 to 18 inches, depending on the size of the individual and the angle of the bullet path, e.g. through arm, shoulder, etc. With modern, properly designed, expanding handgun bullets, this objective is realized, albeit more consistently with some law enforcement projectiles than others. B. Permanent Cavity the extent to which a projectile expands determines the diameter of the permanent cavity, which, simply put, is the tissue which is in direct contact with the projectile and is therefore destroyed. Coupled with the distance of the path of the projectile penetration, the total permanent cavity is realized. Due to the elastic nature of most human tissue and the low velocity of handgun projectiles relative to rifle projectiles, it has long been established by medical professionals experienced in evaluating gunshot wounds that damage along the wound path of visible at autopsy or during surgery cannot be distinguished between the common handgun calibers used in law enforcement. That is to say, an operating room surgeon or medical examiner cannot distinguish the difference between wounds caused by 35 to 45 caliber projectiles. C. Temporary cavity. The temporary cavity is caused by tissue being stretched away from the permanent cavity. If the temporary cavity is produced rapidly enough in elastic tissues, the tensile strength of the tissue can be exceeded, resulting in the tearing of this tissue. This effect is seen with high-velocity projectiles, such as in rifle calibers, but is not seen with handgun calibers. Just to repeat that, going off the book again, Temporary cavity is not seen with handgun calibers. For the temporary cavity of most handgun projectiles to have an effect in wounding, the velocity of the projectile needs to exceed approximately 2,000 feet per second. At the lower velocities of handgun rounds, the temporary cavity is not produced with sufficient velocity to have any wounding effects, therefore any difference in temporary cavity noted between handgun calibers is irrelevant. Quote, in order to cause significant injuries to a structure, a pistol bullet must strike the structure directly, end quote. And that is from DeMeo, uh, Gunshot Wounds, uh, published in 1987. D, fragmentation. Fragmentation can be defined as projectile pieces or secondary fragments of bone which are impelled outward from the permanent cavity and may sever muscle tissues, blood vessels, etc. apart from the permanent cavity. Fragmentation does not reliably occur in soft tissue handgun wounds due to the low velocities of handgun bullets. 
When fragmentation does occur, fragments are usually found within one centimeter, 0.39 inches, of the permanent cavity. Due to the fact that most modern premium law enforcement ammunition now commonly uses bonded projectiles with a copper jacket bonded to lead core, the likelihood of fragmentation is very low. For these reasons, wounding effects secondary to any handgun caliber bullet fragmentation are considered inconsequential. <clears throat> Next section is titled Psychology. Any discussion of stopping armed adversaries adversaries with a handgun has to include the psychological state of the adversary. Psychological factors are probably the most important relative to achieving rapid incapacitation from a gunshot wound to the torso. First and foremost, the psychological effects of being shot can never be counted on to stop an individual from continuing conscious voluntary action. Those who do not stop commonly do so because they, excuse me, those who do stop commonly do so because they decide to, not because they have to. The effects of pain are often delayed due to survival patterns secondary to fight-or-flight reactions within the body, drug or alcohol influences, and in the case of extreme anger or aggression, pain may simply be ignored. Those subjects who decide to stop immediately after being shot in the torso do so commonly because they know they have been shot and they are afraid of injury or death regardless of caliber, velocity, or bullet design. It should be noted that psychological factors can be a leading cause of incapacitation failures and as such, proper shot placement, adequate penetration, and multiple shots on target cannot be overemphasized. Next section is called Tactical Realities. Shot placement is paramount, and law enforcement officers on average strike an adversary with only 20-30% to 30 of the shots fired during a shooting incident. Given the reality that shot placement is paramount and difficult to achieve given the myriad of variables present in a deadly force encounter, in obtaining effective incapacitation, the caliber used must maximize the likelihood of hitting vital organs. Typical law enforcement shootings result in one or two solid torso hits on the adversary. This requires that any projectile which strikes the torso has as high a possibility as possible of penetrating deeply enough to disrupt a vital organ. The Ballistic Research Facility has conducted a test which compares similar-sized Glock pistols in both 40 Smith & Wesson and 9mm calibers to determine if more accurate and faster hits are achievable with one versus the other. To date, the majority of the study participants have shot more quickly and more accurately with 9mm caliber Glock pistols. The 9mm provides struggling shooters the best chance of success while improving speed and accuracy of the most skilled shooters. Finally, we reach conclusion. While some law enforcement agencies have transitioned to larger calibers from the 9mm Luger in recent years, they do so at the expense of reduced magazine capacity, more felt recoil, and given adequate projectile selection, no discernible increase in terminal performance. Other law enforcement organizations seem to be making the move back to 9mm Luger, taking advantage of the new technologies which are being applied to 9mm projectiles. These organizations are providing their armed personnel the best chance of surviving a deadly force encounter, since they can expect faster and more accurate shot strings, higher magazine capacities and similar sized weapons, and all of the terminal performance which can be expected from any law enforcement caliber projectile. Given the above realities, and the fact that numerous ammunition manufacturers now make 9mm Luger service ammunition with outstanding premium line law enforcement projectiles, the move to 9mm Luger can now be viewed as a decided advantage for our armed law enforcement personnel. And that wraps up the FBI's white paper 
odd handgun terminal ballistics. There are some sources that it cites in here, and if you want access to the document, as I said, I will upload that to my server. You'll be able to download the PDF and read it for yourself. The reason we talk about this, the reason why this is important, is I have long and really always believed that there is no substitute for data. I once wrote a blog post a long time ago that your feelings are a liar and you can't trust them. And that was based around the idea that people said this gun feels good in my hand and stuff like that. But that sentiment is true. Your feelings are a liar and you can't trust them. The only thing that you can trust is data, is research in actual performance, which is why this paper is important because it was put together by people who actually did the research, the freaking FBI. And this is why things like training are important and competition is important because it gives you data it gives you information right you can think you're a good shooter and then you can step out on the range and discover that when even the teeniest amount of pressure gets applied to you because you're at a match and your friends are watching you fall apart you can think you're good at hand-to-hand -hand combat and you take Craig Douglas's ECQC course and you get shot in the face with your own gun because somebody who is a white belt in jiu-jitsu took it away from you, that, uh, that'll get you right there. That's data and that's information. And I hope you guys have gotten some valuable information from this episode of Firearms Industry News where I've read the FBI's white paper. And we'll be back next week with an interview. And I'm not going to say who we're going to interview because I don't know yet but I'm going to go find somebody to talk to. Make sure, again, you subscribe on YouTube. Hit that old thumbs up button. Watch uh, If you're watching on Facebook, share this with your friends. And if you're subscribed on iTunes and Spotify and all of those, I really appreciate you guys. Leave those five-star reviews for us, and uh, we'll keep this, uh, keep this bad boy going. I'm Caleb Giddings, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Firearms Industry News.